Hey, this is Alex Kemp from Wolf of the Door. Uh, I'm the creator of the very worst thing that could possibly happen. And I wanted to mention that today's episode is brought to you by another show called The Strata. And it's a dystopian audio fiction about this aging courier who's forced to go into business with an underworld gang in order to pay for the treatment that keeps him alive. Really colorful show, rich vocal performances, great sound design. It was super enjoyable. So I thought, you know, you guys might want to take a listen. Um, check it out. You can find and listen to The Strata wherever you get your podcast, for instance, wherever you're listening to this. And thanks to The Strata for their support of our show, The Very Worst Thing. Stick around at the end of today's episode. There's a, a little teaser for their show, so you can check it out. All right. Meanwhile, enjoy the very worst thing. And uh, yeah, talk soon. Bye. More champagne? Actually, a whiskey, please. Of course. I can't keep calling you Trotsky. What's your real name? Ha! <laughs> I don't mind. He was a charismatic guy, but it's Frédéric. And can you please tell me how you're connected to this affair, Frédéric? I could try, but it's uh, circuitous. I'm not afraid of circles. You're not afraid of anything. I think that's why you're here. <laughs> My friend Raoul sent me something. It's perfect. A Rilke quote. Wait, let me find it. Uh, Rilke? <laughs> this is what I mean by circuitous. Here it is. He said, What should a man do who has so little grasp of life that he must just let it happen to him, and who learns that his own volition is always something less than some other great will, in whose current he sometimes gets caught up in like an object on a receding tide? Staring at the sun, I think she's making love to the two artists in the bathroom. <laughs> Does she have a star? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did she tell you the story of uh, Shamat and Enkidu? I think she mentioned it at one point, but no, she didn't tell me the story. It's from the epic of Gilgamesh, you know it? So beautiful. And it starts off saying it's about a king. A brilliant and majestic king, but he had lost his way. He was being mean to his subjects and taking his soldiers' wives for himself. The gods decided to send him a friend to balance him, to make him a better person. And that's Enkidu. And Enkidu shows up in the woods, living with the animals, living like an animal. And the shepherd sees him, and the shepherd goes to tell the king. And Gilgamesh sends his priestess Shamat to meet him. So Shamat goes out to the forest and sees Inkidu, living wild, half man, half animal, right? 
and she takes off her clothes and shows her body to him. And then they make love for seven days and seven nights. After making love, Enkidu was a man, no longer a wild creature. And he went to the city and became best friends and lovers with Gilgamesh and helped him on his adventures until he died. Oh, that's quite sad. I suppose, but his death caused Gilgamesh so much grief, he went on a final journey to try to become immortal. It didn't work, though. No? No. Uh, close. He comes pretty close, but no cigar. He does realize that he can live on through his legacy, through what he leaves behind, and he becomes a much kinder king after that. And his people love him, and his name lives on forever. And forgive me if this sounds insane, but Claire, she's Shamat. No one lives forever. But she's a Shamat, is what I mean. She's an agent of beauty. An agent of beauty. Hmm. Yes. So you're an agent of the ugly? No. <laughs> the opposite of beauty isn't ugliness. It's rules. I'm an agent of the rules. Or I was. Oh. Do you guys want a drink? Charlie gave me this whole bottle. Sure, why not? We were just talking about Shamat and Inkidu. <gasps> My favorite story. So crazy, right? And it's all true. Every oh my god, what is that? They're refueling! In the air! No, does she have to land the plane to do that? No! A big tanker jet comes and refuels the plane. And drops off the mail, too. Is that safe? Of course it is! I'm scared! Oh, it's fine! Come here! Come here, love. It's okay. You're safe. I've got you. Finally. Fuck. So, uh, my head. Rolo, can you grab the bags? Those two? Okay, Mr. Wu. What about me? All right. I got it. Ah, oh, Jesus, Manny, you need a shower. You smell like shit. It's me, not me. Can we just get to the hotel, please? Get a card. Where? Jesus, Benny, over there where all the cards are? Okay, 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 relax. Wait, I don't have any time. What? Kazakh money, I don't have any. There's an exchange right over there. Cool. Got it. Wait. I don't have any money at all, actually. For fuck's sake, Weenie. Hey, check Mr. Wu's pockets. He always got cash. Okay, okay, got it. Got it, got it. 500 enough? Sure. Okay, I'm on it. Hey! Over here. Oh, it's you again. Me again. You look great. You look younger? Ah, Mr. Ming. I hope you had a successful journey. You tell me. Seems that you're right on time. 1978. Let me see. The cab driver held up a newspaper to the snake, and Ming did his little slithery tongue waggle. So I guess it was good news. 
We got in the car, Mr. Wu in the front seat asleep, and Ming's terrarium on the seat between me and Vinny, and drove to the city center. Smooth streets, golden domes, hard, angular buildings. The cars all seemed old though, gas guzzlers. Hmm. The leftovers of years of Soviet rule. You could feel the ice of the state looking down at us from the mountains to the northwest. We got to the Empire Hotel, and a white-gloved valet greeted us in an impeccable western uniform. Pull the car around, will you? Of course. You've got the luggage? I think so. We need to eat. If you say so. The lobby was a hurricane of marble and Persian tapestries. My eyes were overwhelmed by the reds and ochres and white cloudy veined columns. And in the center of the lobby, under a domed skylight, a fountain babbled. Wake up. Wake up, Sarah. We're landing. God. I need to stretch my legs. You have your things? I didn't bring anything, remember? Oh, man, I need a shower. But we don't have time, do we? We don't? No, we change planes here. Uh, the next one takes us to Amati. And that's where? Kazakhstan. Oh, yeah, right. <clears throat> Almaty is exactly halfway between Paris and Hong Kong. And that's where I'll meet Rao, right? Come on. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for flying with us. Have a good trip. Thank you. That's why I'm staying, Claire, in case you have any free time. Thanks for flying with us. Have a good journey. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Oh, look. That person has a bag with wheels on it. How clever. We're boarding at gate C-16. We're at gate A-3. Oh, shit. We only have three minutes. Let's go. I have to make a phone call. We don't have time. You go. I'll catch up. I hope they get the bags on the next plane. They will. Come along, Sarah, quickly. We can't miss our flight. Well, I only had two seconds to look at the huge window at the plane we just got off. They were unloading a row of coffins on a conveyor belt. What the hell are those? Come on, Sarah, move! We ran through the airport. I didn't know Claire was so fast. She could really run. Trotsky caught up to us. We ran as fast as we could, coming around a corner into a crowd of German tourists, spilling their bags everywhere. After we cleared that minefield, we got into a long bridge connecting terminals. But there were four different men on floor polishing machines, like little cars with buffing pads on them. And they were clearly trying to block our way. Plus, since they were laying down fresh wax, we were sliding everywhere. Trotsky grabbed one of them and wrestled them off his machine. Claire, sir, grab hold. We grabbed onto the back of the polishing car and he jammed it into overdrive, with us sliding on the freshly waxed floor behind, like we were on skis. That got us across the bridge and into the first part of the next terminal, but we hit a carpet and came to a screeching halt. Shit, you okay? I'm fine, where are we? Look, get B12. Okay, we're close. Move, I've got the bag, move. And that's when they appeared like a glorious Roman legion in phalanx formation, 
stewardesses, hundreds of them, all dressed in perfect powdered blue skirt suits. They move like synchronized swimmers in smooth twirls and goose steps, blocking us at every turn. Claire finally overcame her politeness and started pulling some very fancy football footwork on these ladies. I'm talking full body checks. They were flying everywhere. We got through the stewardesses, and that's when the wheelchair jockeys came in for a second wave, like calling in the cavalry. A hundred men and women in blue uniforms with cheap wheelchairs attempt to block us by turning in a tight, intricate pattern of 90-degree turns. I locked eyes with one of the wheelchair men. Just as he made a turn, I grabbed the wheelchair and threw it as far as I could. It wasn't very far, maybe five feet, but it caused a chain reaction, blocking another wheelchair woman, and that blocked more, and the whole phalanx got gridlocked and crashed into itself, like robots unable to adjust their programming. They tried to keep up the pattern and rammed into each other, winding up as a frozen tangled mass of blue polyester and chrome. There it is! C-16! Go, go, go! Finally, security gets involved. There's only a few of them, but they start yelling and running after us. But we're so close. Charlie is standing at the velvet rope, waving her hand. Claire gets there first, fumbling in her purse for the tickets. Come on! Come on! Here's the jetway! Let's go! Trotsky, shut that door! That was close. Can we just get on the plane, please? <laughs> you took out those two others like a bowling ball. <laughs> oh, me? Did you see Sarah throw that wheelchair? She was like King Kong. As we walked down the jetway, I saw a gray-haired man in a baggage worker's uniform. He was standing with his back to me next to the little makeshift door that leads out onto the town. It was like a sumo match. I swear I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> oh, come on. Something had to be done. <laughs> and you did it! <laughs> As Claire kissed me, the grey hair man turned around. Sarah, we're done with this now. It's time to go home. This place is sweet! Nice work, Ming. We have an arrangement with the manager here. It's the only place to stay in Almaty. How often are you in Almaty, Ming? It's a good look is all I'm saying. Do they, uh, have a pool? Mr. Ming, there you are. It's good to see you, Kate. Kate? Hi, Raoul. I love the bellhop outfit. Oh, fuck off. Are you okay? Why are you crying? I'm okay. I'm okay. Who was that woman you were talking to? Is there a problem? It's fine. Really. I'm good. She works at the opera house. She's a set dresser. Oh. Hey. Yeah. Is that bad? No, no. She's just told me a sad story. That's all. You guys must be exhausted. Let's get you checked in. Do you guys have a pool? Or a gym? It's leg day. Sarah, what on earth has gotten into you? What gotten into me? Are you insane? You don't Claire in a shipping container. You're pointing a gun at me, your daughter. I'll be asking the questions here. Like hell you will. You'll be providing answers. Like, what are you going to do with my friend? And why are you dressed like a baggage handler from Turkish Airlines? And what the hell are you doing here? Sarah, we have to go. Don't listen to him. Aye, Bitsway. There is an order, Sarah. A delicate, necessary order to things. Do you think time is an accident? 
that one moment just happens to follow the next because it feels like it? No, not at all. Time exists because without it, men don't make decisions. They don't strive, they don't need, they don't attain. And I work for the group that sees to it that the clock doesn't get fucked with by I or whoever she is and her cluster of drifters and hippies. Isn't that right, Frédéric? Trotsky emerges from a shadow in the back of the room and slowly walks up, standing next to my father. No, Frédéric, not you. I told you, I'm an autonomist. I work for myself. Uh, shut up, Trotsky. No one cares. Listen to me, both of you. I'm going to meet a man, a man named Rao. He and I are connected. I don't know how, but he's my friend, my best friend, and I think he's my freedom too. This is the way I escape this stupid life. Your life is not stupid, It's Sarah. worse than stupid. It's boring. Being controlled in every action I take, every desire I have. It's fucking tiresome. Dad, you tell me you protect time so that men can strive. Well, that is exactly what I'm doing. You're not striving. You're cheating. You can't cut corners with tough Oh my god! Trotsky, what? Why did you do that? He'll be fine. It's just chloroform. But we have to move. Dad, are you okay? I thought you were on his side. I can't follow the rules anymore, Sarah. And they know it. But that means we don't have a lot of time. I don't trust you. That's fine. Open up that container and let Claire out. Oh my god, Claire. Claire, are you okay? I'm fine, I'm fine. But we missed our plane. Frederic, you fucking asshole. I can't believe you conned me. Hey, hey, no! Stop it! I am so fucking pissed! We are going to be way too early! Écoute-moi. It's 1972 here, Claire. The planes are much faster now. We can make it up. And Hans has a private jet, so stay calm and help me put him on the luggage cart. This better work. For Sarah's sake. It will. That's it. That plane is one of ours. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Excusez-moi, Capitaine. Yes? Uh, uh, we've had a bit of an incident with Monsieur Cloutier. We need to leave immediately. And you are? Red Hand 5307. Time enters into us. In order to transform itself. Can we please get a fucking move on? We're on a very tight schedule here. What do you want to? Let's get moving. Miss? Yes, Captain? Prepare for immediate departure. Very good, sir. Charlie, what are you doing here? Oh, it's you. I moonlight with these guys. Working private is such a blast. It's lovely to see you again so soon, but we need to haul ass. Well, let's go then. Jump in, I'll sort the luggage. Your boss is a prick. Uh, Hans is okay. He just likes things a certain way. My dad hates you guys. Yeah, but I'm really good at what I do. It's true. Besides, Jean was, um, like, terrible. So I had to clean up his shit all the time. Job security is valuable. Ugh, Jean. What a loser. Right. Anyway, for the last few years, Hans and I had a couple of projects together. One of which is keeping Algeria under France. Well, yeah. That's not cool. It was just a job, jeez. Well, you need a different job. I think you're right, Charlie. The arm straight, comrade. Sarah, can I get you anything? Some champagne, perhaps? Just some water, please. 
Sparkling or still? She'll take sparkling, like your eyes. Oh, for fuck's sake, Claire. Can I have a, a whiskey, please? Only vodka for you. And the other project, Trotsky? You want to tell Sarah about that? The other project is to keep you and Raoul from ever meeting each other. What? Why? Why would you want to do that? Because you're a mistake. He is a mistake. Your connection is a mistake. It's an anomaly, a mutation. And that, Sarah, is something your father and his organization, that's something they cannot allow to exist. Sara, when I first got into my hotel room, they hadn't cleaned it. That was strange, you know? I mean, it's a really nice hotel. <laughs> Way nicer than the places I stay on business. But the bed was crumpled. Someone had slept on top of the blanket. And there was a table with all these dirty dishes. A room service table, stacked with tin plate covers and tiny ketchup bottles and plastic wrap. And under one of the tin covers was an old portable typewriter. I knew it was yours. I felt you in that room. We are so close now, aren't we? It's like perfume, maybe. Or when you look at the sun and then close your eyes. That ghost is us. Hello? Hey, Raul. You get some sleep? Yeah. How about you? Well, Ming and I hit the bar first. These Cossack dudes can fucking drink, boy. <laughs> Bro, you've got problems. You only live once, Raul. But hey, the car's downstairs. We need to go to the Rug Museum. Can you meet us down here? The what? The National Carpet Museum. Uh, sure. Uh, give me ten. Did they bring you some clothes? They were supposed to drop off a bag. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I see a suitcase in the closet. Cool, cool. Okay. See you in a few. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Good morning. Yes, bro. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> fucking sweet threads. Amazing. Did you guys do this on purpose? No, no, I swear. I just told them what size you are. I didn't know they'd give you a Shargak Shapak. What the fuck is that? That's what they call that kind of rope. Looks great, though. Is that raccoon? They like to use raccoon fur for the tweed. Oh, Gross. No hat? Usually there's a hat. Oh, they had one, but I left it in the room. The hat is key. Didn't want to mess up your hair? You guys are such dicks. Right? Well, I think you look amazing. It's a timeless style, really. Very regal. Like a proud nomad warrior. Which you kind of are, actually. You know, Kazakhstan means land of the wanderer. That fits. So does that robe, man. Is this part fox? It looks like fox fur. I'm gonna yak. You feel uncomfortable, don't you? Uh, yes, incredibly. Perfect. Let's go. The driver is waiting.
did you convince her to open another bottle? <laughs> it wasn't hard. Charlie? Charlie, could you get some more glasses? Of course. I'm coming. Sarah, I still can't believe you had sex with Trotsky here in the bathroom of a bistro. You've changed. Claire, don't be mean. There was something in the air. You know how it is. Here you go. And one for you, beautiful lady. Thank you. <laughs> it's ever since I met you, Claire. Which, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure you did it on purpose. It's like perfume. You put out a wave of sex every time you walk into a room. <laughs> or a plane. Or a plane. Oh, you guys. I can't help it. It's like you said. It's just in the air. As she whispered in my ear, I caught a glimpse of Claire and Trotsky kissing and laughing. They were cute together, really. And even though I felt like Claire was mine, there wasn't even a twinge of jealousy. How strange. How did that happen? <laughs> the old me could never have seen her lover kissing someone else and not been hurt and pouty and pissed off. But now, in this new revolution, <laughs> I think I've given up on the notion of property. Well, of people as property. I was free of that. So I turned back to the stewardess. I'm free, I think. Yes, I think maybe you are. I kissed her, her long brown hair falling in our faces, and she smiled and tucked her hair behind her ear and kissed me again. And that, the cute smile, the mad sparkle in her eyes as she quickly bit her lower lip to kiss me again. That was what woke up the hunger. I started frantically unbuttoning her uniform. The polyester shirt, the cheap zipper on her skirt nearly broke as I pulled at it. She hit a button on the huge leather chair and it reclined all the way fast, so I knocked over the bottle of champagne. <laughs> oh no, I made a mess. <laughs> Good. She pushed my dress up, staring me in the eye. With that smile, and the lip biting. Oh, God. The lip biting on her was just, it killed me. And she pulled off my panties. I could hear Trotsky and Claire across the aisle, their breathing getting heavier as she straddled across his lap. Him inside her, that beautiful feeling of him inside her. The warm, slick softness with their pants only opened up. Not completely off, so there was sex getting everywhere and the warmth of skin next to the coolness of the air, and his belt lying open, and her dress pulled halfway down. Charlie put me in her mouth, and I closed my eyes, and started falling through time. I could hear Claire ecstatic, moaning and laughing, and then Trotsky started breathing harder, excited by Claire's orgasm. I grabbed Charlie, put my hands on her cheeks, and kissed her hard, my own taste on her lips. I put my fingers in her mouth, then reached up her skirt. She was so wet for me, which is all I needed to know. She wanted this, this moment, this fractured slice of time. She looked in my eyes and bit her lip and grabbed my pussy. And I couldn't get enough of her tongue and her breath.
we flew faster than the speed of sound through a red dawn over the empty deserts of the Silk Road. Oh, God, my sweet Rao. I wish I could give this to you, this absolution. We are fucked up, sure enough, but we are not wrong. We are a part of a system beyond design, beyond understanding. And everything I do wrong or bad, it is part of it. As much as when I try to be good or right, or when I try at all, we make mistakes. We learn. But that doesn't mean we never make mistakes again, right? What kind of life would that be? After we came, I held the stewardess, my arms wrapped tightly around her warm body, and she kissed my neck and giggled. Can you imagine how perfect we are? You okay? You need anything? I'm perfect. Thank you. If I can, I will send this to you when I reach our destination. But hopefully, you can hear me even now, even from this far away, because I feel the ache in your heart like it's my own. And I wish I could hold you and kiss your neck and giggle and tell you not to worry. I think you'd worry anyway. But I would tell you not to. Which is enough, I think. Oh, almost. thing that could possibly happen it was written and directed by Alex Cameron, starring Antonia Desplat as Sarah, Isaac Gonzalez Rossi as Raul, and Yvette Liu as Claire. This episode also features performances by Mo Judy Lamour, Pej Vedat, Francois Guettari, and James Taku Long, with Tiffany Chu, Kai Chen, Kevin Steedham, and Brian Yang. The show is produced by Chico Barbosa. Engineer and sound designer is Bo Milkis. Our intimacy coordinator was Denise Kamalo, the sensitivity reader, Sarah Clark. Music is by Alex Kemp, uh, featuring Elliot Siegel on the drums during the Istanbul airport sequence. Production coordinators are Kendra McDonald and Louise Nett. Consulting producers, Camilo Garzon and Federico Torado. The executive producers are Winnie Kemp and Alex Kemp. The show is recorded and mixed at Wolf of the Door Studios in Venice, California. To find out more about the show and our other shows, look for us on Instagram or Twitter at WATD Studios. You can also sign up for our mailing list and find out some more information at our website, wlfdr.com. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. Welcome to the Strata. There's two of them following me. I know that for sure. Hand over the package and we'll let you go. You'll let me go? Oh, 
That's cute. The first bullet hits me in the chest, sends me staggering back a step. All right, you assholes. Yeah, run! That's it! And spread the word! Don't mess with Rust! Ever! Anyone who tries is gonna... Oh, forget it. The Strata. In a dystopian city, an aging courier is forced to go into business with an underworld ganglord in order to pay for the treatment that keeps him alive. Check out The Strata anywhere you listen to podcasts.